Happy Pride and welcome to Romancing Nancy Drew. I'm your host, Indy Nickerson, which stands for Nancy Drew Nickerson. You can find me at that handle on Twitter, and you can also find me at Romancing Nancy on Twitter as well if you would like to hang out there, which I'm just throwing all my Nancy Ned shit over there, so enjoy. It's fine. Um, Let's do a little bit of background today before we get into the meat of this episode, which honestly, it is the kind of day that is dreary and just nasty, and also there are continually planes flying overhead, so... I'm crossing my fingers that that's not drowning me out right now. Um, The Stratemeyer Syndicate is responsible for writing the Nancy Drew Mysteries. And they had been writing Nancy Drew. They had been writing a bunch of different series for a long time. So um, if you were writing like a limited series, if you were writing like this girl goes off to high school and then to college and then maybe gets a job and then maybe tries out a bunch of different nursing specialties. Um, So... If you were doing something like that, then you could actually have the heroine in a committed relationship where she would actually get married at the end of it. Because what they found out is after a heroine gets married, like, no one cares. It's kind of like the moonlighting thing where, like, once once the will they won't they is over, everyone's like, cool, that's what I was here for, bye. So for Nancy and Ned, like, I would have loved if they had said... Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to say that y'all are going to get married as soon as Ned graduates from Emerson, and that's never going to happen, so cool. You'll be committed to each other forever, but it will never be like put a ring on it. So they knew that that kind of, like, if they wanted to end the series, that that's what they would do, but they've never ended the series. Like, that's not a thing, and honestly, like, with all the just completely bonkers shit they're doing on the TV show right now, like... I'm expecting that next season they'll be like, they have been werewolves this whole time, and it's just been super weird, and maybe they've been doing peyote, we don't know, it's just ketamine, just a a cornucopia of pharmaceuticals have been happening, so anyway, so yeah, this is 1933, Um, the next book that we're doing actually for this series is The Password to Larkspur Lane, we are skipping over The Sign of the Twisted Candles, which... I might do, like, as a bonus later. The thing is that it doesn't have a bunch of Nancy Ned content, which that is exactly what I'm here for. But on the other hand, it has a lot of weird family drama and this 100-year-old man who makes candles. I mean, as one does. What else are you going to do at fucking 100 years old? And it's got an orphan, and it's got all sorts of just bonkers shit. So maybe later. But for now, we're going to skip to the next one that actually has some Nancy Ned content in it. Um... So, like I said, we're hitting 1933. The ghostwriter who did this one is the same one who did Nancy's Mysterious Letter. So, again, we have a car-obsessed jock thing happening. I mean, it's fine. It's it's just like, okay. the From the beginning of the series, Nancy has had a blue roadster, as you know. And then and then the book that this dude took over, he was like, what about a maroon roadster? I mean, who does not want a plum-colored muscle car? No, it's fine. So, in this book, actually, Nancy gets another fucking car. Like, just, please please calm down. Please, Mildred Wirt Benson, please come back to us because you know what the fuck you're doing. But anyway, it's fine. It's fine. Um, In this book, actually, this picks up with Nancy at the very beginning going, if this were 2,000 years ago, as she's walking through her back garden. And when I say that, like... I'm thinking, like, because, again, they keep trying to say that Nancy is middle class, but then, like, she walks out in the garden, and it's, like, a legit thing with paths that they can find areas where things are growing. And I'm like, 
uh-huh. Also, Helen's family has a summer home. Like, I'm like, okay, whatever your definition of middle class is, it is not the 2021 Southern definition of it, which is like, do you have a trailer at the Outer Banks? But anyway, it's fine. Um, so yeah, clearly she's operating on a completely different level than I've ever dreamed of. But anyway, she's like, if this were 2000 years ago, as she's walking through a garden, and I'm like, if this were 2000 years ago, you wouldn't have nearly the rights you do now, but it's fine. Um, she's talking to Hannah because here's the thing. If there's a competition nearby that Nancy has the ability to enter, she going to enter it and she's going to win. If she's not going to win, then she's going to do something that's going to be related to the mystery. Like, those are the two options here. So there's, of course, a flower arranging competition that Nancy's like, I'm going to rock this shit. So she goes out in the garden. She's looking around. She's like, Larkspurs. Because, of course, I mean, that is the theme of this. So Hannah's like, if this were 2,000 years ago, what? And Nancy's like, well, I would be going to the Oracle to to ask how things were going to go. And I was like, maybe to see if Ned's going to propose to you? Because that's exactly where my mind would go. But no, of course not. She's And Hannah's like, what would you be asking about? And Nancy's like, well, of course I'd be asking whether my dad's olive crops and his grapes also. And, you know, whether he'd be making some good money at his work. I don't know. And so they're laughing together and, and gathering larkspurs, which she's like, these are also called delphiniums. And that's how I know that's, that's what brought this to mind. That's why I was thinking of the Oracle of Delphi as one does, which if this were a different kind of book, that would be like majorly significant. Like she would run into somebody and she would need to, no, no, this is, this is not where we're going with this. It's fine. I mean, vast vistas of just bonkers, mythology has opened up before me, but it's fine. We'll just ignore that for now. Um, so Nancy's gathered a bunch of larkspurs and she's taking them into the house when she looks up and she sees a carrier pigeon, which in her defense, like she looks up and she's like, oh my God, a carrier pigeon? Like what the fuck? Which she doesn't recognize it's a carrier pigeon at first, which again, I know that she's preternaturally like just gifted at everything, but I'm glad that she was not like, oh, of course a carrier pigeon. I've grown several in my life. It's been fantastic. Um, so the carrier pigeon actually is flying through the air looking like a little bit drunk, as one does, as I would do as a carrier pigeon. I would not know where the fuck I was at any time. Um, and it, there's a plane that's coming down nearby, which is the whole reason that they noticed the pigeon, is that they were hearing this plane and they're seeing it. And they're like, oh my God, it's going to come down. And the plane and the pigeon run into each other. Again, if there are two things in the sky, they are going to intersect. Like, this is just how we live. And the pigeon is hit by the plane and falls down. And Nancy's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, what the fuck? So she sees the pigeon. Um, they pick it up, take it into the house. This is when she sees it. It's, of course, a carrier pigeon. It has a little message for someone. And Nancy, of course, being Nancy, is like, I'm going to see what this message is. Also, she's like, I'm going to contact the American Carrier Pigeon Association, which I love that off the top of the head, she knows that this is a thing because I'd be like, how does one know what to, what the fuck? But apparently it's got like a little tag on its foot and she's like, well, clearly this is like its license plate number. And so I will call this into the authorities and they will contact the owner and it will be fine. So, but she opens up the little carrier pigeon message container and she sees that it says, bluebells are now singing horses and she's like of course that's sure but of course she's immediately intrigued like who wouldn't be you found a carrier pigeon with a fucking mysterious note on it it doesn't say something like we're gonna meet at Geno's at the same time and place like so many questions also I was like so if you're sending something via carrier pigeon is this like you're trying to use like an encrypted signal network in 2021 I mean is that how we're rolling here I don't know it's cool, though. It's cool. 
I mean, of course, why wouldn't you care, house, and feed a bunch of carrier pigeons in lieu of actually finding some sort of other thing that you could do, like sending a human being with them? I don't know. It's fine. It's fine. Anyway, so yeah. Nancy and Hannah take the bird in the house, you know, put it in a box as one does. I was like, are you going to feed it? No. Okay. It's fine. It's fine. So immediately she calls and sends a telegram to the American Pigeon Association or whatever the fuck their name is. And is like, Hey, I found a carrier pigeon. Here's the number. Just let me know what to do. You know, as you do. So then she, um, finishes preparing her bouquet because remember she got a flower competition to enter and she is not going to give up on that shit. So she finishes up her bouquet she um, goes and takes it in the car to the Blenheim's house, which is out in the middle of nowhere. And, of course, she glances around and she's like, nah, I'm rocking it. I'm, I'm going to kick ass at this. It's cool. And then she leaves. And she sees a car pulled over to the side of the road as she's returning to her house. And she's like, oh, are, I mean, are, is it a disabled vehicle? Like, should I stop? And, of course, because this is written by our car aficionado, she's like, that's a nice car. I wonder why they have the blinds pulled down as though they are expecting rain. And I'm like, were all cars just open to the elements at any given time? I mean, given that they had to put a blanket over Nancy's lap in the past, last one, I'm like, man, I don't know. Kind of fucking weird though. It's fine. Um, so it's a big old thing. And they actually refer to it as a Tuno, which apparently is like, if you've got a fucking flatbed truck with a thing over it, like I've, I've got several thousand questions. It's 1933. What the fuck were they doing with cars? Um, so she sees somebody in the driver's seat, but they don't seem to be, there doesn't seem to be any sign that anything's wrong. Like there's nobody trying to flag down traffic. So she continues past. And then she sees Dr. Spires who is driving up in another vehicle. And so he waves at her and she's like, oh, oh, hey. So she sees him pull over in front of the car, and then get out of his car, go over to the car that she had passed, and then, like, somebody seems to pull him into the vehicle. And she's like, the fuck? So she turns around, goes back, and and that car pulls off. So she doesn't know where the fuck it's going. She, of course, instinctually, as one does, looks at the car that's pulling off with the doctor inside and is like, I will just memorize the license plate number. Um, I've tried to do this. Apparently I'm, I'm not set up with that. Like my brain did not come with that firmware update. It's fine. Um, so she memorizes the license plate number, goes back and checks on the doctor's car, which it's locked and the keys are gone. So she's like, well, clearly he expected to leave it here. Like, I, I don't know what the fuck's going on. That's, that's just super fucking weird. Just, just super weird. So she returns to her house and she finds out that they have answered her telegram, these pigeon people. And they're like, alert, this is a counterfeit pigeon. And Nancy's like, uh, I am 100% here for this shit. What do you mean a fucking counterfeit pigeon? Like, I'm going to need all the deets. So they're like, we're going to send a guy over. Um, just hold on to the pigeon. Just, just, just be cool. Be cool. And Nancy's like, I was born for this shit. Cool. I will be cool. The person actually comes over and she she asks to see identification because she's feeling real, like, not chill about all this. And they're like, okay, so there is this band of criminals that has been using carrier pigeons and they're using these numbers that do not match our numbers. And so, but we know that they've been sending secret messages. So what you got? And Nancy's like, I will, um, I'll, I'll copy it down because Nancy is trusting no one in this one. And I love that she's playing Mulder here, but like, also this is... This is interesting. I mean, it's interesting. It just is that, like, she's not trusting 
certain people, like, which, to be fair, for this entire fucking book, she needs to trust absolutely no one. It's fine. Um, but anyway, so they're about to make dinner, and um, Hannah falls down the fucking stairs, as one does, and into the basement, and Nancy hears her crying, and she's like, Hannah, Hannah, what's up? And Hannah's like, oh my god, I wrenched my back. And Nancy's like, then we are going to bundle you into the vehicle immediately, and we are going to take you to Dr. Spires, who I, I just want to see what what's going on there. Just just saying, just saying. Um, so she, of course, grabs a tablecloth, bandages Hannah with it. Like, I mean, of course, that's what I do. I just look around, and I'm like, where's some random cloth that I can just wrap around this person? Uh, throws her into... <laughs> throws her under the back of the car and takes her to Dr. Spires' house. And Mrs. Spires is like, he should be home any minute, I guess. I mean, IDK. And Nancy's like, cool, we'll just wait. It's cool. Hannah, you doing okay? And Hannah's like, I, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. Even though she's like secretly like, I love that Nancy is falling all over me, given that I've been a dedicated and faithful servant for so fucking long. Anyway, so Dr. Spires comes in and he's like, hey, hey, hey guys, um, what's going on? And Nancy's like, Hannah fell down the stairs. And also I've got a thing to ask you about. And Dr. Spice is like, cool, Hannah. Oh my gosh. Who did this bandaging? Because whoever did this rocks. And Nancy's like, that would be me. Um, you know, I've just done some first aid here and there. And the doctor's like, you're doing a damn fine job, girl. And Nancy's like, thank you. So he checks out Hannah. Dr. Spice is apparently a bone specialist. So that's his thing. And he looks at Hannah and he's like, no, nah, I think you're just sprained. So here's a poultice and put that on rest in bed. You're going to be fine. And then he looks at Nancy and Nancy's like, so I saw you earlier. And Dr. Spires is like, I have just had a hell of an adventure. And Nancy's like, I want to know everything. Hannah, are you, are you chill with waiting in the car? And Hannah's like, I'm good. I guess Hannah's got some strong painkillers and also maybe a podcast to listen to. Perhaps a magazine, maybe a cigarette. Oh my God, am I going to do that? Yes, I am going to do the one where Ned is smoking a cigarette. Yes. Anyway, that is not this book. Um, so Nancy escorts Hannah out to the car and she's like, okay, Dr. Spires, so w- tell me tell me what's been going on with you. And Dr. Spires is like, I have had a, a fucking wild ass adventure this afternoon. Um, please sit down. And then his wife is like, uh, dinner. And Dr. Spires is like, okay, uh, why don't you come back? Me immediately, I was like, he is going to be a fucking assassinated. Like she's going to find him with like a blow dart in his neck or some shit. But, um, so Nancy's like, no, that's cool. Let me take Hannah home and, and get some dinner and I'll, I'll come back after dinner. And Dr. Spires is like, cool. So Carson comes home and Nancy's like, so Dr. Spires says that he has a mystery. And Dr. Spires is even like, I'll make sure that my wife stays out, and even if your dad can't come, also come. And I was like, okay, Dr. Spires, if you try some shit, I hope that she karate chops you into hell. But anyway, so she takes her dad over, and they hear the story that happened to Dr. Spires. Dr. Spires received a call that afternoon that said that Mrs. Manning Smith had had an accident and was insisting that he be the only person to come attend her. And so he was like, well, I know her. She is a bit hysterical. I will head out. So he goes to make a, not even a fucking house call. Like, it's as though she was in a minor traffic accident. Like, the person on the phone was like, she got hit by a car. Like, glanced. I don't know. It's fine. She just fell into a field. And can you come check her out? And the doctor's like, this seems perfectly legit. So he goes and he shows up where, and he's like, oh, yeah, Nancy, I saw you. Because she's like, yeah, you pulled up and there was a car with the curtains down. And he's like, 
how did you know that? Oh my God, I saw you there. Yes. And Nancy's like, so what happened after they pulled you into the car? And the doctor's like, so these two burly guys pulled me into the car and then they blindfolded me and gagged me and, and they drove off forever. And Nancy's like, cool. Really? And the doctor's like, yeah, it was fucking weird. And she's like, okay, so about how long did you drive? And the doctor's like, it was about an hour. And Nancy's like, okay, okay. I know where you were. So it was within an hour's drive. Okay. Okay. Continue. So, uh, the doctor says, they had me come look at this elderly woman who had, and then he, he starts spouting off all this medical shit. And then he's like, you don't care. I'm sorry. Let me continue. Um, so apparently she'd had a dislocated shoulder and he needed to put it back in place. And she seemed kind of like fucking out of it. And he tried to ask her some questions, but nobody in the room would let him like ask her what her name was or any, any sort of personal information at all. All he knew was that she was at this place. He didn't see much of it. And, she seemed disoriented and he was like I think she's being held there against her will like I I can't say that for sure but it sure seems super fucking fishy and Nancy's like okay did you find out any any clues about her anything that I could use that could possibly help me track her down and the doctor's like well she was wearing this bracelet that seems super awesome and so I just mugged her and so here's the bracelet and Nancy's like cool. I like where your head's at. I like how you think. So she looks at the bracelet and it actually says to Mary from John. Um, it's got a fucking coat of arms on it because that's how we roll in 1933. It's like, if you've got some heirloom jewelry, it better be rocking a fucking coat of arms. And it also has a Latin inscription on it, which is the same Latin inscription, the same Latin motto that my state uses. So I thought that was pretty fucking hilarious. But anyway, um, so Nancy looks at it and she's like, I mean, my God, this clearly was not something that she bought at Walmart. I'm going to check this shit out. So she talks to the doctor and the doctor's like, keep the bracelet. It's fine. Um, Just, you know, whatever you want to find out. I just, it just seemed super weird. And Nancy's like, okay, so did you drive over? Like, what else can you tell me about the drive? And the doctor's like, what, what do you mean? It, we were in the car for like an hour. And Nancy's like, did you, did you turn a lot? Did you hear traffic, cows, uh, anything? And the doctor's like, no at the end of it uh, there was a gravel driveway and Nancy's like okay dipshit okay so Nancy heads home and she's like okay so I need to find this place where this woman is being held captive because of course and if she's not then that's fine but anyway so she's got the bracelet so that way she can maybe figure out something about the woman's identity while she tries to figure out where exactly the house is and she's also figured out that once the pigeon has healed because she's talking to um to Hannah and Hannah's like oh well how are we going to know where the pigeon came from and Nancy's like when you release the pigeon it goes back to where it's fed so all we have to do is follow the pigeon so once the pigeon is healed up and is able to fly then we'll just follow the pigeon back to where it came from like this is fucking amazing it's a foolproof plan how how could it possibly go wrong and I'm like maybe if the pigeon drives somewhere where there are no roads like I think that 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 bitch is going to beat you on foot I mean it's fine but in the meantime, Hannah, of course, cannot care for the family in the manner to which they are accustomed. So she's like, I guess maybe get my niece over here. This is the introduction of Effie, which <laughs> now that we've had the Hunger Games, I'm like, Effie Trinket, which they are both ditzy and just ridiculous. But anyway, so Nancy goes over to Hannah's sister's house and picks up Effie. And Effie's like, oh, my God, I bet you have so many boyfriends. And Nancy's like can can you do like household things and Effie's like sure I can like all you have to do is tell me what you want and if I can't figure it out then Aunt Hannah will get it figured out it'll be cool but she's like gossipy constantly Nancy's like 
I'm, I'm going to fucking slap her in the face. Like she just, shh, I got shit to do. Please calm down. So that night, the night after um, Nancy finds out about Dr. Spires' little adventure and he gets the bracelet and he's gotten the bracelet from the old woman, who, which he didn't think is Nancy. Nancy looks at her dad and ha- they've been talking about it and they're like, okay, we should go to the cops. Like we need to tell them. Clearly this old woman is being held captive. We've got a clue. So they go to the cops. This is, again, 1933, so this means that all the cops are Irish. Um, Chief McGinnis is the person who eventually becomes Nancy's contact for especially the files, but Chief McGinnis does pop up in the original mystery stories as well. He's not in this one. He hasn't popped up yet. But anyway, so they walk in and they're talking to, I believe it's Sergeant Mulligan, because I'm not sure we could get more Irish. It's fine. Um, So he's like cool, that, that's a, a nice bracelet. I mean, you, you got anything else for me? And Nancy's like, I have the license plate number of the car that was following us. And the cop's like, uh, hell yeah, like that's worth a thousand bracelets. Like, just go ahead and lay it on me. While Nancy was trying to park the car, she had noticed that they were being followed and she went ahead and sent her dad inside because Nancy's like, I'm going to stand up for some shit. Like, she is not going to be like, I'm going to hide behind my dad and just let him handle this. She's like, no, no, go ahead inside. I got this. He doesn't even know that anyone's following them. I'm like, Carson, you, you live a dangerous life. It's fine. Um, but he goes inside. Nancy parks the car and the person pulls up next to her and he's like, hey, hey, who, who's that? And Nancy's like, I'm not telling you. And the person's like, who are you? And he's, she's like, I'm also not telling you that. What, what is it? What, what is it to you? Like, she's being very cool and icy, and I love it. She's, she ain't here for your shit. The person hasn't even gotten out of the car. They're, like, just leaning out of their car. So then somebody else passes by, and they're like, oh, my God, hey, Nancy, it's been forever. And she's like, fucking hell, I was just telling this guy that it, shh. But the guy's like, so you're Nancy Drew. So that means that was Carson. Okay. Okay. Bye. So he pulls off and Nancy's like, fuck. When she goes into the police station, she tells, of course, the police officer and her father that this shady character had stopped and, and was asking their names and everything and, and what they were doing and why they were there and everything. And Nancy's like, okay, so somebody's watching the doctor's house probably or our house or something like that. Some shit's about to go down. So her dad's like, can you describe the guy to me? And Nancy does, and he's like, that is Adam Thorne. And you're like, of course it is. This person that I have never heard of before and will never hear of again. Like, sure, here, here's the big bad for the book. And Nancy's like, why, why do you sound like you want to set him on fire? And Carson's like, because he is a disgraced lawyer. And Nancy's like, do tell. Apparently he was super shifty and also attempted to steal an old person's estate. Like tried to misrepresent himself as the person who was going to inherit. And so you're like, okay, we have a, a, a disgraced ex-lawyer who's been pretending that he can inherit things. And we also have an old lady. Like, I see where y'all going with this. I see what's about to happen. And I'm here for it. So um, Carson, when he hears that, he talks to Mulligan again, as one does. And Mulligan's like, okay, well, we can't really do anything for somebody just chilling around your house. I mean, y'all super cool. So we'll just, I guess, get a patrol officer to, to swing by every now and then. And Carson's like, well, I guess that's the fucking best you can do. Because otherwise it was like protective custody or we're going to like station a bodyguard or, you know. <laughs> Which on the phone with them, Carson's like... 
I don't know. It is your job to figure out how to fix this. And I was like, I do love that you're like, do your fucking job, dude. Do your fucking job. It is not my responsibility to figure out how to keep me safe. It's up to you. All you. Okay. So in the house now we have Effie, who as soon as they get home, they're like, don't let anyone in. And and Effie's like, "Uh, okay, okay. Like, what if my boyfriend comes over and Nancy's like, I'm sure your boyfriend is fine, but like, for fuck's sake, don't let any shifty characters in. Just if, if they look super sketch, which, spoiler alert, pretty much every villain in the original Nancy Drew mystery stories, like, you can see them coming from a mile away. They are not hiding it. They are telegraphing like motherfuckers. So she's like, just keep anybody looking shifty out of the house. And Evie's like, cool, cool, I got this. Um... So Hannah's getting better. Bess and George are actually going to leave town. And then Nancy runs into Helen, Helen Corning, who she went to the big game with. Y'all remember the big game that I remember none of the details of other than Ned won? Like, you're like, there was a team involved. And I'm like, no, Ned won that game. Shut up. So Helen's like, hey, girl, hey. Um, so I've just spent spring in Europe, uh, you know, and I was about to head out to the Sylvan Lake house, you know if you're interested. And Nancy's like, oh my God, Ned is a camp counselor at the Sylvan Lake camp. Like somebody got sick and he decided to fill in for them. So I'm just going to keep that in mind. And Helen's like, how is Ned? And Nancy's like, he's cool. Oh my God. Anyway. So again, when I say Nancy operates in circles that I can only dream of, like her friend has a summer house on a lake, you know, as you do, it's fine. So Nancy decides that she's going to focus on the clue of the bracelet. So she decides to take it to somebody who is familiar with like family crests and mottos and heraldry and all that fun stuff. So she takes it to a jeweler who like two of the names in the organization are like stone and cutter. And I'm like, I love that you just opened up a dictionary and you were like, what are things related to jewelry? Let me find those words and just put those on people. So she takes it up to Mr. Stone and he's like, Girl, I got this. Like, I, I know somebody who does this, like, on the regular. So I'm just going to send him a letter, and we will have this resolved. Like, toot sweet. And Nancy's like, fuck yeah. That is what I'm here for. This is the shit that I'm here for. Like, he even goes over, like, the dexterous and sinister and, and all this. Anyway, it, it's just super cute. It's so super cute. Also, I was thinking about it, and I was like, well, Nancy can't exactly, like, Google this shit. She does need to contact somebody who can be an expert in this, and it's going to take a hot minute for them to get back to her. Anyway, so she's walking down the street after she's left the off the jeweler's place, and somebody walks by, bumps her. She looks back, and the bitch has stolen her purse because she has been pickpocketed. So Nancy, of course, takes off after this bitch, runs across the... The woman runs into a department store, and Nancy's like, fucking, of course she did, because this is going to be perfect. Um, The woman, like, gets on the elevator, goes upstairs. Nancy, of course, is, like, running up the stairs like a mad person. Um, She stops the the person, the elevator operator, and is like, did she get off here? And this is, again, one of those situations where she's running into an African-American character, a black character, who is speaking in, like, girl, you didn't have to put it in fucking vernacular. Like, you could have just not. It's fine. Fuck. But um, it's cool. That's the only interaction, actually, that she... Oh, no, it's not. Oh, my God. There's something else that happens later. But anyway, so the two black people in this book are the elevator porter and somebody else later, who we will get to. We will get to that shit. So, 
Um, so she eventually tracks the woman down in a dressing room and because she actually opens up all the dressing room curtains, there's like a line of them. And so she's just like startling people who are like mid changing clothes, which she also runs into a stout woman who is trying to shove herself into a dress and is like, sorry, bye. And I'm like, did you have to do some mild fat shaming? I mean, could you just not? It's okay. Um, so she finds the woman and she starts yelling at her. She's like, give me my purse back, bitch. And the woman's like, no. And anyway, so Nancy eventually like finds the bracelet. That's the thing that she's most worried about is not having that bracelet because she showed it to the jeweler, but the jeweler just copied down the information from it. So she gets the bracelet back, and then she tries to pursue the woman out of the store, but she can't catch up to her. She manages to get, like, down in front of her, so Nancy can't find her. She runs off into the street. Nancy's like, fuck, of course. So at this point, like, Nancy comes home, and after dinner, she hears her dad yelling at somebody. She comes in, and apparently there's been somebody on the porch who's just making some vague threats, who's like, you better keep your nose in your own business for reasons. And Carson's like, fuck off. I'm not here for this shit. I'm going to call the police right now. And Nancy's like, what, what's going on? And Carson's like, I don't like this. I need to go to St. Louis for a few days for a business reason. And I, I just don't like this. Like, you you got attacked. There's this guy, a random guy on our porch. Effie is shaking out the tablecloth outside and accidentally throws a spoon into the bushes and she finds a guy in the bushes who she freaks out. There's another person who, when they're away from home, like comes up to the door and tries to tell Effie that he's come for the pigeon, which Nancy, of course, needs that fucking pigeon because if she doesn't have the pigeon, then how the fuck is she going to find where it was supposed to go? So Effie, not knowing that like, she needs to be super careful about this and just run in her mouth. She's like, oh, yes. He's like, I've, I've come about the pigeon. And, of course, Effie's like, oh, yes, the pigeon is, we're taking care of him. He's on the side porch and it's fine. But then she remembers that she's not supposed to let anybody in. And the person's like, well, let me come in and see him. And Effie's like, no, I, I think I'm supposed to say no. And so the guy starts, like, banging on the door and Effie's freaking out. And so Nancy and Effie, like, fucking barricades the door, which is, that's some good shit. Anyway, so... Carson's freaked out because he's like, there, there's just too much going on. Like, um, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not cool with any of this. Like, we need to get out of here. We need to. I don't, I don't like that. I'm going to be out of town. I really don't want you to be doing anything related to this while I'm out of town. And Nancy's like, honey, like, I got shit. That old woman, that poor old woman. Like, and Carson's like, okay, look. I want you to stay with somebody and I don't want you to go out by yourself. Like, so if you want to do any mystery things, then make sure that you've got a companion. Nancy's like, fine, fine, sure. 100%. Yes. So in the meantime, the pigeon is in a box in the backyard. And because Effie's like, look, he's fine. He's right there. Like everything's cool. So she points out the box with the pigeon in it. And Nancy's like, okay. And then she sees that little five-year-old who she got eyewitness testimony from in Nancy's mysterious letter, who was in her backyard like, what is this? And they're like, oh, that's a pigeon. And then they tell him the story of Icarus, which he then turns into Ike Harris. And I'm like, please, please just fucking shut up. I'm not here for this. I'm not here for this precocious toddler who was just, although I did love that he was like, do you have any cookies? And they're like, not right now. Hannah's laid up in bed and she is the cookie person. And Tommy's like, Really? Because I'd really love a cookie right now. And Nancy's like, we don't, we don't have any cookies. And so, like, he asked for a third time. And he's like, I guess you don't have any cookies because you still haven't produced any. And, and you're like, 
that is about right. That is about right for a toddler. Anyway, so Effie's like, get the fuck away from that pigeon or I'm going to beat the shit out of you. And Tommy's like, shut up. Anyway, so he, of course, releases the fucking pigeon who is pretty much healed up now. Like he's still a little bit wounded, but he's, he doesn't know where he is and he wants to go home. So Tommy's like, you said you were going to hurt me. Fuck you. And runs away. And Nancy, of course, watches in horror as the pigeon rises and is going toward where he go, where he lives. And she's like, okay, Effie, you watch the pigeon. I'm going to get in the car. We're going to find out where the pigeon's going to go. So they have to track the pigeon, which again, because the pigeon's been wounded, of course, it's flying a little bit slower. That's cool. So they eventually track it to this kind of like run down like it, it looks like an old estate it's kind of run down it they don't see much activity it's got some out out outbuildings so Nancy goes into town and she's like oh so what is that really nice old estate that apparently has some pigeons and the person who was running the general store is like oh yeah that's the Tooker place and Nancy's like Tooker oh okay cool that doesn't sound symbolic at all it's fine and the person who's running the store is like, yeah, I mean, they come up here and they spend their money, but they keep it themselves. Like, they do not seem to give a shit about any of us. And Nancy's like, that, that feels about right. Cool. And the guy's like, I mean, it'd be fine if not for the plane. And Nancy's like, the plane? And the guy's like, yeah, they got a plane all the time. And it's just ridiculous. So Nancy's like, okay, so the plane lands here. The pigeon came here. Okay. So she's talking to Effie and she's like, okay, we have to find the other house. And Effie's like, what? I mean, we followed the pigeon. We, f we found where it went. And Nancy said, but it was coming from somewhere. So like the only reason you have a carrier pigeon is going from point A to point B. And this place I don't think is the place based on the triangulation. So I'm going to draw a circle around River Heights and I'm going to figure out where the pigeon was going from and to. Like I know where, it, I know one point but I need to find the other point because I feel like that's going to be the solution to this mystery. And Effie's like, why do you think that it's not the place that we just were? And Nancy was like, it's pretty simple. There were no larkspurs. Like, she's figured out that whatever the message was, like, it, it doesn't seem to be related to that place because it's like, bluebells are now singing horses. And she's like, I don't know what the fuck that means. And then she's like, idly thinking about it. And she's like, larkspurs. A lark is a singing bird. Spurs are related to horses, so bluebells, that sounds kind of related to larkspurs, so, okay, I feel like this place is going to have something to do with larkspurs, like, it's, it makes sense, it makes some sense, so I need to, I need to find a place with larkspurs, so that's where she lands on that, so her father's about to go out of town, she has to figure out where she's going to hang out, and of course she's been talking to her friend Helen, who was like, oh yeah, come up to the lake with me. And Nancy's like, I would love to go up to the lake with you. And that's there. It's going to be fantastic. So that's where we're going to pick up with the next section. Okay. So we're going to pick up with the most bonkers fucking shit. Okay. Nancy has to figure out somewhere that she's going to go. Because her father is saying like, you cannot, you can't stay by yourself on a out of town. Um, they're going to leave Effie at the house. And they have decided that they're going to spend... Nancy's going to go stay with Helen and Carson's like, well, I want to stay with you too. And so they're both going to go see Helen, but because they know that the house is being watched, like, because it seems like they're getting accosted, like every time they leave the fucking house, um, Carson's like, okay, we have to figure out 
a way to get out of the house with anybody noticing. And spoiler alert, um, I bought you another car. This is what I mean by this is just absolutely fucking bonkers. Like, what? What the? What the literal fuck? Anyway, so um, her her dad's like, yeah, I got you a new car, and I was gonna surprise you with it, but let me just call the dealership and just get them to deliver it tonight. And Nancy's like perfect but also don't pull up in front of the house because then they'll see us getting into the new car and that would be bad and Carson's like that's true I'm gonna have them deliver the car two streets away and we will just pack up our bags and just toss them over fences and we will just get into the car and I'm like this is the most convoluted fucking plan what the call a taxi I don't know oh my god anyway it's like the middle of the fucking night so Carson calls the car dealership and he's like, yeah, um, I changed my mind about the car. No, no, I'm, I'm still, I'm still buying the car, but can you just like deliver it in this extremely sketchy way? And they're like, you're good people. We're going to get right on that. So they pack out a bag. They have somebody walk the bag out to the car as they to pretend that they're packing up to go for a trip. And then Nancy and her father just haul ass out the back door, just throw themselves over some fences, as one does, um, as they're getting into the new car, which is like fucking pitch black outside. Nancy can't even see the new car. And I was like, this could be a problem later. You don't even know what the fuck the car looks like, but it's fine. Um, so somebody's coming over the fence as they're leaving, and she's like, get in the car! And so they just, she just floors it and gets out of there. And she's like, this is a damn nice car. It's got a leather interior. It handles like a dream. Daddy, you are fantastic. And he's like, girl, I know. So they go to Sylvan Lake, which is like a 30 minute drive. Like if, if you try to picture <laughs> River Heights and where it is, it, you're like, clearly it has to be somewhere in the clouds to allow people to get to everywhere within like 15 minutes. It's fine. Um, so they go to Sylvan Lake because Helen's been like, cool. Yeah, you can come stay with me. It's fine. It's fine. No, no big. We can just go hang out. As soon as Carson gets there, he's like, um, I'm going to go ahead to St. Louis, so be safe. And Nancy's like, you know, I will. Peace out. Um, they go out on the beach the next day, which I do love that the book points out that they have shipped fucking tons of beach sand to the beach to make a beach at this lake. So they're able to just frolic in the sand as one does. Um, Nancy goes out with Helen, they're dressed up in their swimsuits, and they're out on a raft with a bunch of other teenagers, and one of them is named Nina, and she's a high-class bitch, and she's like, I think I'm going to do some trick diving, are y'all in? And they're like, hell yeah, we are, because apparently Nancy's like holding court, and Nina is not here for that shit, so anyway, so... They're doing this diving competition where Nina basically leads off and does some sort of bullshit dive, and then everybody has to follow her, which if you're like, I bet Nancy is a championship diver, you are 100% correct at all times. Anything that you ask her to try that is within like a human being's capacity to do, basically, she's going to kick ass at it. So it's down to Nina and this other muscular youth, who is not Ned, sadly, and Nancy. And so Nina does this trick dive, which involves her... It sounds like she could fucking break her neck this way, but it's fine. And it ends up with her not sticking the landing like she accidentally is in a sitting position when she hits the water. And so Nancy looks at it and she's like, mm, yeah, I think I can do that. And then, of course, she pulls it off without a hitch. And so Nina's like, well, good, good job. Like, I see when I've been bested. 
So they're resting on the beach afterward, and this little girl runs up to Nancy, like, you know, as one does, like, just run her away from her mom and bumps into her. And Nancy's like, oh, hey. So she hears somebody say, Marie Eldridge, you get back here. Spoiler. Let's just go back to... Because, like, the day after Nancy dropped off the bracelet at the jewelers, she gets a message back saying that apparently that crest and everything about that looks like it's related to the Eldridge family, which settled in New York and then maybe in St. Louis area, but they're they're not for sure. Like, it seems to all be descendants of this English family named Eldridge. So Nancy's like, cool. And then, of course, she hears somebody called Marie Eldridge, and she's like... Hey, are are you uh, related to the Eldridges from New York? Which she doesn't do that immediately. What happens is the little girl like runs into Nancy, and then like somebody startles her or something, and this speedboat is fucking running up to the dock or some shit, and so the little girl accidentally falls in the water. There's a speedboat coming. Everyone's screaming. Nancy dives into the water, grabs the little girl, and pulls her under so that the boat will not decapitate her. Uh, they come back up, the little girl's sputtering and everything, and her mom's like, oh my god, oh my god, which, yeah, you should be. Why was that child not wearing floaties? Anyway, Nancy goes back to the cabin, which is probably like a fucking palatial mansion, um, to change, and little Marie's mom comes over, and she's like, oh my god, I will I will give you anything, and Nancy's like, uh, I just want to know if you're related to the elder just from New York, and the woman's like, yeah, and Nancy's like, do you have like an elderly relative who might've been wearing this bracelet? And then she describes that she doesn't have it with her. And the woman's like, Oh my God. Yes. My husband, that's his like great aunt. And no one's heard from her in like a month. And he's actually like trying to find, trying to track her down right now. So, Oh my God, I cannot believe I ran into you. And Nancy's like, I know like things just fucking work out that way for me. It cool. Um, while they're out there on the lake, Ned actually does canoe by with just a boat full of toddlers because he's fucking perfect. Of course, he has a canoe full of toddlers and he's looking bronzed and just very fucking handsome. And he looks over and he's like, oh my God, Nancy. And she's like, hey, what's up? And Ned's like, there is a dance later, which just kicks off the fact that Ned fucking loves a dance. And again, if there is a dance within a 100 mile radius, he's like, I'm fucking there. So he invites Nancy. He says that Buck is also going to be there, who is Helen's study at this point. This is not the guy she marries later on in the series. Um, which again, it's okay if Helen gets married because the only thing that matters is whether Nancy gets married. Um, so yeah, Ned arranges for him and Buck to pick up Nancy and Helen Oh my God, anytime I think of Buck, I think of Kill Bill. Anyway, fuck. They get ready for the dance. Um, Nancy and Helen admire each other's lingerie. And I was like, on the one hand, probably. And on the other hand, is the author kind of a pervert? I mean, it's fine. Um, so they get dressed and Helen's just rocking it. And Nancy's wearing the, this powder blue frock that makes her look like a, a quaint little princess. And I'm like, where where are you going with this? That's just super weird. Anyway, so Buck and Ned see their dates, and Ned's like, shit. Nancy, please promise me that you will have at least two full dances with me. And Nancy's like, I promise, because Ned's like, I know exactly how the fuck this is going to go. Like, we are going to walk in, and somebody's going to see you, and they are going to cut in, and I'm going to be super pissed. Which, yes, this is what always happens at dances. So they go to the dance. Of course, like, 
Ned is able to take Nancy and his arms for like all of 0.5 seconds before somebody's like, can I cut in? And Ned's like, I fucking hate this. Anyway, so they go and have their supper after the dance and it's like 11 o'clock, 1130. And they're having, they're actually having like this little dinner on a boat because again, it's at the yacht club. And I was like, so you're just barging onto some random person's boat and just having dinner there, which on the one hand, super romantic maybe there are fireflies but anyway so nancy tells ned about the case that she's investigating because of course he is here for that shit they met on a case he you know he knows how she rolls this is not a new development for him and he's like nancy i just that sounds dangerous like you've you've had these random guys trying to stake out your house like i just want you to be careful and she's like oh i will be bye um yeah i was happy that they were able to share that interlude though that was nice I would have been even happier if he'd been like, so this yacht is unoccupied. It's fine. Um, Nancy tells Helen, of course, what she's about. And Helen's like, I'm here for that shit. So Helen wants to go for a drive with her. They go driving around seeing if they can find where possibly the other house is. But they're unsuccessful. At the end of the drive, like, actually, this happens right before the dance. Um, at the end of the drive, they actually find something marked L.S. Lane. And Nancy's like, it's like a hand-lettered sign. It is not even just like a reg- regular street sign. She's like, L.S. Lane. Huh. Let, let's follow this road. And Helen's like, I, I don't, uh, okay. So they follow that road. It's up a long gravel driveway. They see a gatehouse and Nancy and Helen get out of the car, actually. And walk around the house and they see outbuildings and Nancy's trying to see anything that like, are there, is there a carrier pigeon, some sort of place for them to be? Are there any old, like mysterious old ladies? Um, So they go around the house and Helen's like, well, I mean, we could climb this chain link fence. And Nancy's like, do you see those porcelain knobs up there? Like, that's an electric fence. And if we touch it, it's probably going to set off an alarm somewhere. And if we touch both hands to it, it's probably going to fucking kill us. And I was like... I love that you're like, I don't want to die today. Not this way. But anyway, Helen's like, okay, cool. Um, Helen also manages to walk into a hole and wrench her ankle. And Nancy's like, oh, shit. So, of course, Nancy sits there and she's like, okay, I'm going to do some gentle first aid. And she manages, she says, I think that you have, because we went dancing last night. And I think that, like, the tendon in your foot has been stretched. So, let me just, and then she, like, takes her foot and bends it in half and Helen's like, what the fuck? Oh my God, that actually does feel better. How the fuck did you know to do that? Nancy's like, I hurt my foot the same way at camp one year. So, and Helen's like, you can do everything. And you're like, yes, she can. Yes, she fucking can. So anyway, Helen's kind of limping a little bit. And Helen is also like, I, you know, she doesn't want to get caught. She's, she's not quite as timid as Bess because Bess like really doesn't want to get messed up or dirty or anything but but helen is also like not nearly as bold as george's um and of course they're not here i I don't know why the fuck anyway so nancy's looking around the house and they finally get around to this part of the house where they see a bunch of old people in wheelchairs who are just hanging out they're not very animated. They look like they're like fucking hungover. And Nancy's like, well, okay, okay. This is, there's a bunch of larkspurs around here. There's old people. I think we found it. 
And I'm like, Shady Pines, she's found Shady Pines. Anyway, um, so she sees a nurse who was um, talking and she's like, now be a good little girl, Mrs. Eldridge. And she's like, Mrs. Eldridge, Mrs. Eldridge, yes. She looks over and she sees that the woman is wearing a necklace which matches the bracelet that the doctor mugged. And Nancy's like, I think we found her. Shit. So what happens is apparently Mrs. Eldridge is being a little bit of a bitch today. And so the nurse is like, I'm just going to wheel you over here so that you can think real hard about what you're doing. So um, Nancy manages to get up to the fence. She doesn't touch the fence, of course, because it's electrified. But she's like, Mrs. Eldridge. And Mrs. Eldridge's like, what the fuck? What? What? And Nancy's like, I'm I'm hiding in the bushes. And I just, are, are you okay? Because... Like, the doctor, I, I talked to the doctor, and he said that, like, you'd been hurt, and, and are you okay? Like, do you need me to come get you? And Mrs. Eldridge is like, fuck yes, I need you to come get me. I fucking hate this place. Like, they're just terrible people, and I'm not here for this shit. And so, yes, please come get me. And, like, she's she's not quite as vehement as I'm being. Like, she definitely seems like she's kind of weak and, and a little bit out of it. But she definitely is like, get me the fuck out of here. And Nancy's like, okay, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. I'm, I'm going to figure out a way to get you out of there. The nurse comes over and she's like, who are you talking to? And Mrs. Eldridge is like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. What? I mean, it would be a shame if something weird happened in my room, which is on the third floor in the northwest corner. And the nurse is like, why the fuck are you talking about where your room is? And Mrs. Eldridge is like, I don't know. I'm drunk right now. And then the doctor comes over. His name is Dr. Bull because, again... If you're going to look up metaphor in the dictionary, they ain't here for that shit. We're going to be obvious with it. Dr. Bill comes over and he's like, Mrs. Eldridge, are you okay? Like, I just want to make sure that you are perfectly happy here. And Mrs. Eldridge is like, I want you to let me go home. And the doctor's like, you know, when you signed to do the treatment that you said that you would obey whatever I said, and you are not yet ready to go home. Like, you, you still need to recover. Don't you want to sign over your money to me so that we can take care of you? And Nancy's like, oh, I see. I see. And Mrs. Eldridge is like, I ain't signing shit. Like, it was a mistake for me to even come here. And I really, I don't want to be here anymore. And the doctor's like, you have got until 6 o'clock tonight to sign. Or else. And Mrs. Eldridge is like, or else what, bitch? And the doctor's like, you will not like what we do. Like, we will put you somewhere where nobody will hear you screaming. And you're like... I don't know. Like, you're already in the middle of nowhere. That seems like a threat that is not idle. So Nancy's looking at Helen, and of course, both of them are crying because the poor old woman, like, it, they're like, this poor old woman is being at least mentally abused. We know that she had a wrenched shoulder. Like, what the fuck are they doing to these people? And it's not just her. Like, this is, there's a bunch of people here. And Nancy's like, okay, we're going to save Mrs. Eldridge. I don't know what's going on with these other people. We're going to talk to the authorities about it, but I'm definitely going to save Mrs. Eldridge. And Helen is like, how the fuck are we going to do that? And Nancy's like, I have a plan. They drive to the next town. They go into a department-ish store, and Nancy's like, okay, do you have some hideous shoes in size A4? And I'm like, I kind of want to look up what A4 is, and also it's just going to be like, whatever Nancy drew shoe sizes, which is probably like a perfect seven or something. Anyway, so Nancy gets fitted for some hideous black shoes, a black widow's hat with a veil, and like this long black coat, and then she gets a nurse's outfit for Helen, because of course, this store carries all of those things. And then she's like, what's the total? And it's like $19.98. I love that you're being so fucking exact with this. Also, that's over $400 that Nancy's like, okay, here you go. 
just walking in and spending four hundred dollars on some random disguise clothes for going to liberate some old ladies. And Helen's like, "What the fuck are we doing?" And Nancy's like, "Okay." I overheard somebody saying that they had somebody else coming in at low around six o'clock tonight. So I know that the doctor is going to try to get after Mrs. Eldridge tonight. So we've got to get in there tonight. And apparently they have a new patient who's going to be coming in tonight. So what we're going to do is you're going to drive me. You're going to be wearing the nurse's outfit. I know the password and I'll be in the back seat and I'll pretend that I am the person who the new patient. And Helen's like, that sounds hella dangerous. And Nancy's like, yeah, probably. I just called Ned and told him what we were doing. And he was like, I'm not here for this shit. And she was like, try to stop me. Bye. So, <laughs> I mean, what the fuck is Ned going to do? Anyway, which is basically what Nancy said. She's like, I mean, he doesn't like it, but what the fuck's he going to do about it? Anyway. So Helen's like, uh, okay. Okay. I mean, fuck, but okay. Also, oh my God, I forgot about this. When Nancy goes to the other house, the other house that, um, the first house when she finds where the pigeon was going and she's with Effie. Um, Effie doesn't want her to go up to the house. She's like, I don't, I, now that we know where the house is, like, let's just go home. So Nancy's like, no, I've gotten here. I want to see what's going on. So Effie's like, well, I'm going to get in the rumble seat. And I'm like, does this mean like the back seat floorboard possible? Anyway. So Nancy puts her down somewhere and puts a blanket over her so that nobody can see her. And so she pulls up to the house and this guy walks out and he's like, are you lost? And Nancy's like, I saw a pigeon come in here and I just love pigeons. Like carrier pigeons. Oh my God. And the guy's like, yeah, why don't you come inside and see the carrier pigeons? And Nancy's like, no, I'm cool. I'm just going to stay in the car. I was just curious about some carrier pigeons. And the guy's like, yeah, we got some in here. You want to maybe buy some? And Nancy's like, yeah, that'd be great. I don't have any right now. Cause he's like, maybe we could trade. And Nancy's like, well, I don't actually have any right now, but I am super curious about them. And the guy's like, okay, well, why don't you come inside and see which one you want? And I do love that Nancy's not like, okay. She's like, I'm going to stay in the car though. Thanks. Bye. So the guy actually, who was carrying around a fucking bullwhip at this point, like comes up to the car and tries to wrench her out of it. And Effie starts laughing because she's so fucking nervous. And also she's a complete fucking ditz. And so the guy is thrown off balance enough that Nancy's able to just peel on out of there. But anyway, so that's what happened at the other house. So Nancy knows that these people are probably not fucking around. Um, so they go to the house and it pulls off exactly as Nancy planned it. So Helen drives up. She says the password. They let her in. Uh, Nancy goes into the house and she knows where Mrs. Eldridge is. She sneaks into the house. She goes up to that floor. Um, she goes into Mrs. Eldridge's room and she's like, hey, I'm, I'm here to get you out of here we'll just change clothes and, and it'll be fine. And I'll just act like I'm escorting you out. And Mrs. Eldridge is like, Oh my God, they're, they're coming. So, um, Nancy hides in the broom closet across the hall when, um, Mrs. Eldridge is being brought her dinner. And she's like, Oh my God, if I touch a fucking broom in here, then everything in here is going to fall down and people are going to come find me. And that would be some bullshit. So she stands very carefully and miraculously, of course, because she is fucking Nancy Drew, does not knock some shit down and just alert everybody to her presence. But she sees that the nurse is going to knock, lock Mrs. Eldridge into her room. So she actually like pulls off this little bit of fabric and puts it into where the lock meets the, like where the lock actually seats into the door frame so that it won't bolt like completely fastened correctly. 
So the nurse who has been sitting there, like, threatening her, like, you better sign those papers or else, bitch. Like, you know that we will put you in that basement. And Mrs. Eldridge is like, fuck you. Anyway, um, so Nancy sticks that thing in the hole. The nurse leaves, tries to lock the door, doesn't realize that she's unsuccessful. And Nancy's able to go in there. And so she sees Mrs. Eldridge and she's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you out of here. And Mrs. Eldridge is like, fuck yeah, this is the best. Um, but then something happens that makes Mrs. Eldridge scream. Like, I can't remember exactly what it is. But anyway, so all of a sudden they hear footsteps pounding up the steps. And Nancy's like, fuck, there is like nothing in her to hide behind. So she actually hides under the bed. What she says is so like sketch that the mattress is also dipping down so bad in the middle that it's basically touching the floor. So Nancy has to like wedge herself under there. And the nurse is like, what made you scream, Mrs. Eldridge? And Mrs. Eldridge is like, this soup is too hot. And the nurse is like, that is bullshit. That soup is not too hot. Why did you scream? And Mrs. Eldridge is like, because you're being a dick to me. And anyway, so Nancy's like, there is only one place to hide in this room. And if she start, if she looks under the bed, then I'm sunk. So eventually, the nurse actually does leave. And so Nancy changes clothes with Mrs. Eldridge. And, and Mrs. Eldridge is like, I don't, I don't actually have anything that's going to fit you. Like, this, this is kind of bad. But anyway, it's fine. Um, so they get out of there. Nancy gets Mrs. Eldridge into the car and tells Helen to, like, just haul ass out of there. She's like, go back. Find Ed. Bring him back. I'm, I'm going to go back in. And Helen's like, why the fuck would you go back in? Like, we had Mrs. Eldridge. And Nancy's like, because I am not done here. I got other old people to save. So... She goes back in, and they have discovered that Mrs. Eldridge is missing. So the entire house is in lockdown. Everybody's just flipping out. And, like, Nancy actually just sits down in one of the, um, there's abandoned, basically, wheelchairs that are just everywhere. And so she just sits down in one because there's also a bunch of drugged old people in other chairs that are just hanging out. And so she just sits down and pretends she's a drugged old person under her widow's veil, and nobody questions it. (laughs) It's some good shit. Um, and then she gets up and runs up the stairs and somebody's like, oh my God, the treatment is working for you. Look at you. You're like a spring chicken. Um, so yeah, Nancy, Nancy's trying to elude everybody, but she also is, she wants to disable as much as she can, like basically like find some evidence, something to get these assholes. Eventually, like, she tries to get out of the house, but the dogs track her down, and so they find her, and they bring her, they haul her ass into Dr. Bull's office, and Dr. Bull is like, I'm going to call the police right now, and Nancy's like, I wish you would, but that phone ain't plugged into shit, and the doctor's like, you are super observant, aren't you, and Nancy's like, I try, and so the doctor's like, look, we got shit to do. Like, I, I don't know what you think you saw, but everybody here is of their own free will. And Nancy's like, that is bullshit. Mrs. Eldridge is like, they drug the food. Like, they try to keep applying all the time. It's just fucking bad. So, Adam Thorne, remember? Remember him? Remember him? Yes. Um, of course he's involved in this shit. And he pops up and he's like, we need to, we need to take her out of the picture. Like, this is not cool. Like, no. So, they decide that they're going to throw her into an old cistern, as one does. So they take her there, and they actually gently lower her with a ladder, you know. They're like, I bet three days without food or water is going to just straighten your ass out. And Nancy's like, I'd love to see you fucking try. But anyway, so they pull the ladder up, and they put the cover over it so that she's got, like, very little light coming in. And she's just sitting there like, ah, I got to get out of here. Like, I just have to. There's no alternative. 
And then she hears this like creepy sound and she's like, what the fuck is that? And I'm like, ghost. But no, it's actually the, the pigeons because the cistern that she's been thrown down is very close to where the pigeons are being kept. And so she's like, well, that's hilarious. Like pigeons are what brought me here in the first place. So she actually, when the ladder was pulled back up, so like some of the rungs, because the ladder was pretty rotten, some of the rungs came off. So she feels down in, in the like nastiness of the bottom of the cistern and she finds the pieces of the ladder and she very laboriously digs out some of the crusty mortar out from between the bricks of the cistern and very, very slowly climbs up the wall using the pieces of the ladder to boost her. She finally gets all the way to the top and she's like, oh my God, yes. Um, she gets into the pigeon coop and she sends a bunch of SOS messages. And I was like, to whom? Like the pigeons are going to go to the other house. Pourquoi? Oh, okay. Um, and then she sees that the people who are there, there are two cars there. And she's like, okay, well, I got to disable the cars. Like I, I know they're going to try to get out of here and, and they'll, you know, escape. So I'm going to disable the car. So she basically cuts the gas she cuts the gas lines so that there's no gas in the cars. And then she notices that the plane is parked outside. And she's like, well, shit, that would be perfect if I could just fly this fucking plane. But I don't know how to fly a plane. And I'm like, not yet, sweetie. But it's going to happen for you. So she goes out to the plane and she's like, I don't know jack shit about planes. And so she just starts pulling machinery apart. She's just like, I, I, don't, I don't, what the fuck does this do? I don't know. So she just, <laughs> she just grabs wires and pulls them out. And then she um, she hears them approaching, so she has to hide nearby. So they try to get in the cars. Of course, the cars don't work. They go out to the plane. The plane actually starts, and she's like, fuck, I hope that I fucked it up enough. Um, but what she did apparently was, like, turn the exhaust back on itself or whatever. So the plane fucking catches on fire, and it's some good shit. Like, they're like, what the fuck just happened? And I'm like, she's burning down Shady Pines. She's burning down Shady Pines, y'all. Um and then she, of course, hears somebody else approaching. And what happens is her father, of course, has finished his business in St. Louis. He comes back by. He finds out that Nancy, where Nancy is. Ned, of course, has been alerted to where Nancy is. He, they went to the other place first, and Nancy had sent all those SOS messages, which had happened to get there. And then they fly from there to the place where Nancy currently is, the Larkspur place. They land there. Carson and Ned come out with guns blazing, like legit, like Ned's holding a fucking pistol. Um, they tackle everybody. And Ned's like, Nancy, are you okay? And she's like, thank God you were here. Oh my God. Like this, this was a close one. And you're like, yeah, I mean, she is kicking ass. Like you ain't wrong, but she's also in the middle of nowhere. She's just, just disabled all the vehicles. I mean, you should have stolen a car. It's fine. But she also wasn't sure how she the fuck she was going to get out without being seen. So anyway, so um, everything's cool. They get back to Helen's house and Helen's like, oh, my God, a package arrived for you. And you're like, oh, no, a human ear. But no, it's actually remember at the beginning of this when she entered that flower competition. Of course, she fucking won it. What did I tell you? So they sent her a silver loving cup, as one does. And Nancy's like, well, every time I think let's see this, I'm going to think about Larkspurs. So that's pretty cool. And at the end of this thing, um, Ned, of course, is there for the end of it. And he's talking to Nancy and somebody says something like, oh, my gosh, so you should go into flower arranging or something. And Nancy's like, and Ned's like, no, no, that is not what she is here for. She is here for mysteries. And I know that, like, this is what my girl does. And Nancy's like, 
That is true. Like, that is what I'm here for. So she and Ned start bantering, and Ned's like, I'm going to dig up a mystery for you, and I'm going to call you at 5 o'clock in the morning and just just lay it in your lap because that is what I'm here for. And Nancy's like, I would love that. And they look at each other, and you're like, yes, please elope. Please elope before the next book. It's fine. Um, so, yeah, that's how the book ends. Like, all the old people are saved. She didn't quite burn out Shady Pine. She just burned up their plane, which I never figured out exactly what the fuck the plane was for. Like, I think that maybe, I don't know. I really don't know why the fuck they had a plane. It even says, like, it had some sort of animal painted on the underside of the wing, and we never follow up on that shit. Like, that, that is not the shit that we are here for. So, so yes. Um, I'm not quite sure which one we're going to do next time. I need to check into it and see which one has some good shit in it. We might do Ivory Charm. Oh my God, I forgot. Let me just say this. Um, Helen, of course, has a black cook. Her family has a black cook. And there is one scene where they're like, the cook is speaking in just real thick vernacular. But other than that, like, seriously, if we're just, it's the elevator person and it's also the cook at Helen's place and that's it. And nobody's, I mean, other than them just speaking in just ridiculous vernacular. That's pretty much it for this one. Um, Ivory Charm is interesting because it deals with India, like legit India. And there's some like mysticism and some fun stuff related to that. So that might be the next one that we do, but I'm going to have to check into it. So, all right. I will catch you next time.